Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about having a good match between rules and setting and how that equates to a great game. And what's the first game you want to talk about? Well, uh, before we get into <laughs> the game, I want to talk about why I think we, we mentioned this in the past and we kind of danced around this subject, but I think it deserves its own episode. And I we've talked about how when he says that because I told him that I think he already talked about this. Yes. So uh, we've said it uh, before. or I've said before that when the rules really mesh well with the setting that you're trying to invoke, that it makes for a great game. And there's certain things that could make it great. And I think there's certain games out there, RPG games out there that really, I don't know what hit the head on the nail as far as making the making the rules and the and the and the setting match really well and it makes it easy to play and i think that's what the important part is is that when you have a, a system and a, and a and a rule set that are i mean system a system and a set, setting that really match really well and you're trying especially if you're trying to invoke a certain type of feeling in the game it really does work and it makes for a great game so number one on the list even though I haven't played it as often. Uh, it's an older game. It's Call of Cthulhu. Now, Call of Cthulhu uses a RuneQuest percentage system. It was a, a, a borrowed or adapted by the person who made uh, Call of Cthulhu. And, but he made some changes. He homebrewed the percent, it's a percentile system. He homebrewed a bit. And, he, and because, of, uh, because of H.P. Lovecraft tales of Call Cthulhu and how most of the people went mad in the characters in the in the stories, or a lot of them did. Not say most, a lot of them did. Dealing with the horridness of the subject, he had to the the creator had to incorporate that into his game because you can't have an investigative nineteen twenties game dealing with Call Cthulhu without in including something to deal with the subject of sanity. And so he put in a sanity stat and based that basically whenever you encounter something really horrid or supernatural, you lose part of your sanity. And as the character continues investigating this world of the call Cthulhu, your character might and usually does lose sanity along the way until the characters are useless, right? They they can't you can't play that character anymore. And I think that's really evocative of the of the tales that H.P. Lovecraft wrote. And and I think that's why, even though for the longest time I wasn't a Cthulhu fan, I'm not saying that I am, but I avoided playing the game. I didn't understand the subject matter. I didn't understand the people who played it. They seemed a little to me a little strange. I was a very conservative minded role player. You know, we played D and D, and we didn't dress up to play the game like some people did who played Call of Cthulhu. Wow, you're just hitting stereotypes there, dude. I w- I was very young, and I you know when you're young, you make you know you have that. The world is a certain way when you're young, right? And then as you as you grow older, you realize no, the world isn't that way. At least that's my have been my experience. So I was a rather rigid young RPG player. You still are. Well, one out of two is bad. And so 
when I saw when I, I told you this is a story when I when I first encountered Call of Cthulhu players, they seemed you know just a little bit strange because they would dress up in 1950s attire, and I'm like, even though I'd like, I that, think it was really 1920s, dude. I'm, so, I'm sorry, 1920s, right? And I and and so the women were wearing these like uh, just dresses from the seemingly from that period, and men were wearing suits and fedoras and things hats. that you like. Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> Maybe I, I don't know. I don't. You were to. jealous. Uh, <laughs> I possibly was jealous that they were, that they were so confident. Yeah, the, confident in dressing up that it didn't matter what other people thought. Well, it wasn't like they were dressing up in in cosplay stuff. It was just kind of vintage clothing. Yeah, exactly. But it was sort of cosplayish compared to us who were just in t-shirts and pants. You know, playing in the, our parents basement i didn't have a basement but you know what i mean so it was it was weird it was weird for me i think it was funny because you were both playing at the library right who's Where, both the call of cthulhu and the D. no 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 this was that those the first time i ever ran into these uh people who played call of cthulhu was at pacificon ah. and they and i remember this one particular tall i don't think it was matt i don't think it was matt unless he was he dressed the same way that he did when he was younger, but uh, there was it might have been Matt. I remember. I just remember seeing this guy. He was very tall and thin, and very. He reminded me of. I hate to say it, but but that's a totally different nineteen forties or thirties. Was uh da, 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 da. Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones, right? Uh, well, then you were jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you know. I I don't know. I did, I did like the clothes. I gotta admit that later on. As I grew up a little older, I go, wow, those are pretty nice clothes. And I, you know, I'm kind of sorry we didn't grow up in an era of suits and ties and fedoras. And what are we talking about today? Because you've lost me completely. Lost completely. So I'm talking about a good match. So the good match in this at Call Cthulhu was this adding a sanity mechanic to what is basically a percentile system, system uh, which is now called basic role playing, BRP for short. And they use that system for other games. Isn't that an old system? Yeah, from the RuneQuest. It's based on RuneQuest. Oh, from the 70s, right? From the early 80s, but I think RuneQuest might have been late 70s. I remember the letters because from doing research for something else. Yes. Old old role-playing games or something. Yes. I don't know. I don't know if I buy into your idea about the rules matching the setting, but Call of Cthulhu is a very... I do think the sanity mechanic kind of makes sense because you're seeing at least for me crazy stuff going on and and then in like a D game or supernatural game he would just go oh okay well i'll uh, kill it oh that's a ghost oh, <laughs> yeah that's a yeah that's a hunga munga but in call of cthulhu you're like you're playing a normal debutante and you don't know what that is or you haven't experienced that before right and uh, yeah, that's something that shouldn't exist. Yeah. Right. And so when you're confronted with that, you're like, whoa. And so your world changes, I guess. Is and you have to be really careful in that game, especially Saul has to be really careful in that game because he'll say stuff that will cause other characters to lose sanity. <laughs> <laughs> I was just telling the truth. That's all I got to say. <laughs> so. That's all I got to say about that. So, ex yeah, right. Excellent. Utilize I mean, like I said, that's something really simple. Uh, a simple... Uh, not simple, but a a sanity stat really changed that ga that game system and really makes Call of Cthulhu RPG evocative of of the genre, right? It really does 
if they didn't put that in there, it would have been just a regular investigative private eye type of game. But it changes when your character can lose mental facilities and go nuts in the game. And and I think in the old days, they would just take your character and say, okay, you're, you've gone crazy and you're in an asylum. But now you could actually regain some of your sanity after being in the asylum for a little while. But you're never going to be quite uh, sane or have a lot of sanity. So that's one. That's Call of Cthulhu, the sanity uh, stat. So Chaosium, let's stick with Chaosium. Pendragon. Pendragon has its, you know, its old combat system. It's very, <clears throat> what I would say, very. It represents the type of game that was made in the in the early '80s. And I think what sets it apart from other games, and I talked it about before, is the traits and the passions part of the game, where depending on on what happens during the game, you roll on this trait system, which has like, you know, what is it? I can't remember any off the top of my head, of course, of, but it has like a uh, piety versus lecherous and stuff like that. And so these are like uh, two opposing sides of the same type of trait. And at times the GM could call you call to, for you to roll against your trait. If you're trying to do something or you have done something. And if you fail or make the trait, then it causes you to act in a certain way. Now, this is very interesting because it kind of like takes a little bit away of your player agency, right? That now a die is dictating how you should play the, the your character instead of like just having total volition of you might, I'm choosing to run my character the way I want to. These, this die, this, these traits kind of push you as a player to play a certain way. I think it's more that they rein you in as a player. So if it's, well, if it's... you can look at it that way. Yeah, if it's piety versus or yeah. lust versus uh, what's the opposite of lust? Chase. Chaste. Then you know if you're playing the character a certain way and the GM's going, well, I thought you had a like a, a ten or whatever in chase, chased, and you're playing really lustfully towards this person. So then you need to roll to make sure that that or you need to think about what you're doing, right? right? Yeah, exactly. And I and, I, and the reason I bring up that that part of the system is that in Pendragon you are playing a specific type of game you're playing knights and ladies of of the mystic mystical or mythical world of Arthur of, Arthur. of King Arthur and on top of that you're it's basically set in the in the world of King Arthur but through also through the interpretation of I believe uh, so it is basically Sir Thomas Mallory's version of king arthur so uh, i'm just gonna say it's an adjusted version of uh, uh well no what i'm saying is that that's that's that is that is what the, the lore that it's based on right right exactly and so or he's trying to the creator of the game was trying to mimic and because you're, you're talking about a very very narrow part of a, of a world that you're playing in it kind of does mimic these traits and passions, right, mimic the trials and tribulations of these knights because some of these knights do weird things when, you know, like, uh, for example, uh, the main example I, I have is Sir Lancelot, right? Sir Lancelot was this fantastic knight, right? He was the best knight. He was the first knight. You know, he was the best, one of the best knights of the round table, and yet he he breaks the trust of Arthur and has an affair with Guinevere. 
now why would he do that now why would a player character do that if that was if you know let's say it was a player character and this was a because it was game. written in the book no let's say it was a role-playing game basically lancelot failed his lustful role his lust role right and in this sense or him and guinevere right so that gives you that what i'm saying is that this game this game mechanic kind of mimics those kinds of uh, situations where you your character will do what let's say you were a really proud knight or whatever uh, white and shining armor shining armor a and, knight in shining armor a knight in shining armor type of character and uh you do and then uh you know you always kind of do the, all the right things but your your gm asks you to roll a cruelty make your true cruelty trait so you act cruelly when usually you wouldn't and the, and so the, what I'm saying is that the system kind of mimics that world that Sir Thomas Mallory wrote in his in his style that sometimes knight didn't, knights didn't do the right thing and sometimes ladies and didn't do what they were supposed to do. There was a lot of horsing around, I use that pun loosely, and uh, goofing off. So I think that those rules just fit perfect to that setting. They make it more realistic. Ooh, I want to say. I mean, realistic in the fact of what people do versus the ideals of what they That's do. True. Even, even the way that it's written in by uh, Mallory. Right. When I was running that game and I was playing that game, I really liked it because it kind of helps you role play. It kind of helps you role play a knight, and specifically a knight. Right, because you. I, I like that mechanic also because people can go. Everything can go one way or the other, right? You can right. either stay very honorable and do what you're supposed to do or for some reason you need to take that thing the the finger of a saint or something you know <laughs> you have to have it yes suddenly something overcomes you and you must take it yeah and and, and Sir thomas mallory and, and the people who wrote about the knights of the round table the knights will have bouts of madness and and go off running to the woods and do weird well if you think about that that's called post-traumatic stress <laughs> syndrome but there you go. I mean, come on sure. they're knights i'm not sure uh, <laughs> i'm not sure sir thomas valley thought he had no of he course not thought about post-traumatic stress <laughs> syndrome. but they do they did have stuff like that right because they did bouts of madness like well i can't deal with this crap I'm, well right and so they would just sound it's like it any fighter who has to do stuff that you normally wouldn't do right. So, like I said, I really like uh, Pendragon for that. Now, I wouldn't p play Pendragon for a modern mystery novel. I just probably wouldn't use it for that. It just doesn't translate. Though, I guess... It would it would work well if, if there was a mystery that you wanted to solve with a bunch of knights that had to do it. <laughs> and I'm, I, and I mean, like he, 1950s, like, you know, Sam uh, I, I'm thinking about, like, uh, you know, Father Brown Mysteries on PBS, <laughs> where the priest is the one that solves the mysteries. I think, uh, like, maybe one listener has an idea what you're talking about. Father I'm Brown. sure more listeners really? than one. Well, let's take a poll. I'm going to open up a poll on our on our Facebook page. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Have you guys visited? So, again, I think uh, Path, Pathfinder, I think Pendragon is a perfect set of rules that matched perfectly with the setting of Sir Thomas Mallory's uh, Knights of the Round Table. And I, that's what, I that's agree. I only have one problem with that game. Yeah. The history is like not exactly correct. Well, because it's based on Sir Thomas I Mallory's know. history. I'm just saying that as, a, as, yeah. a, as, as a, a historian. 
it just throws me off every once in a while. Did you like Paladin better? Paladin is is a little better with the history, but it still throws me off. There's magic and stuff in the world, which during that time people did believe in, but in a different way then. Okay. (laughs) So let's move to the 20th century, at least. The 20th century. The 21st century, I guess. Uh, And that is another game called Alien RPG. Now, Alien is pretty modern, pretty new. I think it published two two years ago when I bought it. I think it was uh, I pre pre ordered it. It's made by Free League. They use their in house or Free League's Year Zero engine. Alien to me is a really good uh, mechanic. Use a really good mechanic. Like I was saying, it was a a a version of the year zero engine which is basically a basic dice pool game a basic basic dice pool rpg but when they added the they call it the stress mechanic but we like to call it the panic mechanic because you get to roll on a panic table because there are aliens coming at you (laughs) and it mimics that very well right that feeling of the movie alien or aliens where characters in the book i mean in the movies are get stressed out and they go against their training. Well, in Aliens, they go against their training. In Alien, they're just truckers, space truckers, trying to get to one place to another. And so those people are really not, what is it, prepared to fight or combat an alien. I'm not sure anybody's prepared to fight or combat an alien. Well, in Aliens, they were more prepared, and even then, there was too much for them. So I think the, the stress mechanic where... You build stress, which we talked about this game before also, but I wanted to illustrate how well the the rules fit the game, the setting. And as as you build up stress, you you do the the idea is that you 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 become more like focused on what you're trying to do. And I I remember the part where uh, Hudson in Aliens is uh they're under stress because they got attacked the first time and they, they, half their people are dead and they're like super stressed out and then i forget who tells them hey calm down you know you gotta and then he goes yeah yeah i'm on it right he gives him a he gives him an occupation to go do fix something so he's really you know keyed up and so the stress not only gives you a chance you might freak out but it makes you better Right, because your adrenaline is pumping, the idea that adrenaline is pumping, so you get that extra dice. You get extra dice as you build up stress, and usually you roll uh, black dice, but the stress dice are yellow, and it could be any color. But you keep these two different separated. dice separate. But and anytime you roll, I forget what, the, what if you roll a a one on the stress die, there's a chance you might stress out, and and there's a there's a little. Uh, table for the for panicking and if you roll high if you roll really high yeah the the results are get worse and worse and the more dice you have the more chances of you rolling higher so it's this weird dichotomy where you're getting better at stuff because you get more six-sided dice to roll with your dice pool but there's better bigger chances of you stressing out and because if the more dice you have that's how many dice you roll to freak out so it is really interesting uh Mechanic, I think it really hits the head on the nail as far as... You keep saying it wrong. Hit the head on the nail? How are you supposed to say it? Hit the nail on the head. So I'll stop using that one. Uh, it really does match up with what 
the genre is and in this this case it's a it's a movie and the rules just like really fit perfectly with that i think and uh i we play with this game this guy called morgan and he really loves it he really loves that game he says he doesn't know about the long term playing the long term campaign of marines but he says the one shots that he's played in and the ones he's run he goes he loves it because it's it reminds him so much of a movie it's like this cinematic really stressful horror movie in space type of thing and he really likes it and i and i can't argue with him that is totally true the alien game plays like a really good freak out horror movie based on the horror movie so oh i I don't i guess i i didn't realize it was a horror i know back okay now alien came out before i was 17 it was rated r so i was not allowed to see it and my parents were very strict about letting me see r-rated movies though i guess if i was a more nefarious child i could have snuck into the theater and certainly my siblings would not take me to go see that movie and i really i didn't have it i didn't want to see that movie it's kind of scared that even the the commercials scared me i don't know if you, any of you are old enough to remember the commercial but it was basically this weird screeching noise right the, and the whole time and then uh the egg cracks and light comes shooting out of this egg crack and then at the very end it says in space no one can hear you scream and i'm like i don't want to see that movie the freaking the commercial freaks me out as it is so i didn't have no clue what alien was about until much later or right toward the end of high school when i was able to get a vcr <laughs> and i was able to rent the movie <laughs> and we watched me and my friends watched it and it was pretty it was pretty gruesome for its day it still is yes gruesome. the augustine wanted to see it when yes. he was what a teenager like 13 i think he was more like 10 or 12 wasn't he? no it was a little older okay he was 13 or 14 okay, we wouldn't let him watch it no but steve and kathy we watched it at their house because he really, him and Alan wanted to see it. Yeah. And they were like, they were teenagers. So I go, you guys really don't want to watch this. <laughs> then they really want to watch it. With <laughs> but he left the room for part of it. Well, that thing is going to come out of his stomach. Yeah. Yeah. I think we warned him about that or I, I might have warned all of them about it. But he was very sensitive to that throwing up and stuff. And that probably wouldn't have been good. So excellent implementation of rules and settings. That movie still scares me, and I've seen it a few times. It it is much scarier because it's because it's suspenseful. Yes, it does raise your 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 anxiety level. Yes, yeah. So that's, I I think that the game does fit the the system does fit the game in that one because yeah. I think it's really cool the because when you roll on the panic table you don't know what you're going to get yeah. right and it could be something easy or you could be where you cannot move until the next turn or until for however many turns. And that happened to me and the robot, not the robot, the artificial intelligence person, the the company man is telling him, killer, killer. And I'm like going, I knew you were a bad guy. <laughs> I couldn't do anything. Oh my God. That's true. I forgot about that. And what's weird, weird is that it's the same system that powers Tales from the Loop. Which is a completely different type of game. But it works. The system works for that, too. Right, right. But it doesn't have a panic mechanic. No. I think that's, yeah. And I think that that shows you how a little tweak, a little addition of a rule can really change the type of game that it is. So next on my list is Edge of the Empire. Now, a lot of people don't like the funky dice mechanic because they use all these funky dice. I kind of do for this game. Uh... I wouldn't use it for any other game, but this is, uh, I believe, uh, Warhammer Fantasy 
third edition, which came in a big box, had these funky dice. Now I've somehow I acquired a big box. I still have it in my closet. Uh, and I've never played it. I've I opened it up and looked. At, I think I got it at a garage sale or something, or maybe online. But I don't remember because it's pretty heavy. I don't think the shipping would have been killed. Anyway. Anyway, so it uses the same system as that, which uses the funky dice. And Star Wars changes us up a little bit. It gives you different colored dice, uh, makes it easier to distinguish certain dice from other dice. Uh, but ultimately, and of course, they clean up the rules a little bit. They added Star Wars to it. Very cool. And what? They added Star Wars to the to the mechanic. Oh. The rules. The, I that, haven't played Star Wars Edge of the Empire. Right. And there's other ones. There's Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, and Force and Destiny, which represented the I had eras. my first experience with Funky Dice playing the One Ring. The One Ring. I still don't know what the symbols mean, but that's okay. Yes. There's quite a few icons in that game. So what I like about that game is that uh, because it could have the big diff, the big deal deal in that game is that you can succeed and still have some complications, much like the two D twenty system, like Star Trek and Conan. Uh, but this precedes that system, and it's actually written by the same guy, Jay Little, I believe, is the, is the author or the. That is a really very good system. Um, I like the you can succeed and still have a complication, or you can fail and still have something good happen. Right. Uh, the only problem is a lot of people have this problem with that system because the GM is constantly having to come up with things. I think people have every GM that I've played with a, with a system like that makes you come up with your own success. That's or exactly failure. what the what the fix on that is. Is that they say is that what do you call it? Distribute that work to the to the players, and if nobody can come up with something, just let it go. The, That's the, the important part. Yeah. Let it go. Let it go. I think there might be some song song about let it go is it a disney song i never watched it. i think it has to do with the frozen let it go no i think I you're know. high whatever. i might be no, i'm definitely not high great system for that game i really like it i think it works really well that is evocative of of star wars and how things can go right and still be, be things can wrong. go right and still bad stuff happens <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah i, I talked about that system before a uh, long time ago when we talked about the Star Wars, this famous scene where Han Solo is chasing the, oh, starts chasing the stormtroopers, and he succeeds, right? Yeah. He succeeds. He succeeds, he succeeds in, in, in chasing them and scaring them away, and by charging them by himself against, what, like five or six stormtroopers? Until he turns that corner. Until he turns that corner, and then there's a complication. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect. Very evocative of that, that, uh, that game flow and stuff. I really like it. Really good game. I'm sure there's a lot of other systems that have their that match well with the with the genre that they're they're playing. So I just didn't think of them. So oh no, there's oh, there's tons. So I, I like, if you have if if anybody has any ideas or this hits home, that's because that's the way it is. A lot of times, yeah. there's mechanics and parts of the system that really help with the with the genre. Well, it's unfortunate is that a lot of these games, when you look online, as far as online of how much they're played. They don't get played as much as the, I'm going to say the three-ton gorilla in the room, which is D&D. Uh, you look, uh, for example, Roll20 puts out a stat. I know not everybody plays a Roll20, but 
the VTT juggernaut, also the 800-pound gorilla in the VTT world, is Roll20. There's uh, many other ones. A lot of people swear by Foundry, by Fantasy Grounds, all this other stuff. The inf- information that you can glean from that is that a massive amount of people are playing D&D 5th Edition with very little, and then there's very small pies left over for everybody else. Call of Cthulhu still ranks pretty high. I'm not sure what how Edge of the Empire or Pendragon rate, but those are really smaller uh, distributed type games where there's less people playing it. But I think uh, if you can tear yourself away from 5th edition, these games hold a lot great RPG goodness in them because of the way they're the way the rules are matched to the system and it really they really play really well you know i'm going to give it to D fifth edition it is a great system for medieval high medieval fantasy and that's all there is to it there's they've done a really good job uh, doing that but there's other games out there that equally if not better match the system to the genre and uh and it really really makes for a good role-playing experience there you go this is gaming perspectives with saul and Jolene. And you have a good day.